0: Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
1: Conversationalist, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope your turkey's thawing. I have a confession. <laughs> I've been telling you people since Friday that over the weekend you needed to take your turkey out to make sure it was thawing. Guess who forgot?
0: <laughs> such an idiot.
1: I've been telling all you guys, gotta take your turkey out. Well, it's, it's, I've got mine is taken care of. Uh, an ice bath of water and ice, um, that'll be done. I'll be ready to, I, I've decided to just dry brine it instead of the, the, the brine and, and soak it overnight. I'm just, just a, a dry brine of some salt and brown sugar and rub it all over the skin and under the skin, uh, very lightly. You don't want to do it too much. And by tomorrow morning, I'll put it on the smoker. I'm going to cut the backbone out, spatchcock it, lay it flat. It'll cook more evenly. So I got to cook the turkey, so I'm going to cook it tomorrow. I'll smoke it on my Rec tech and then uh, we'll heat it up on Thursday. Done right, it won't dry out. Uh, but yep, yep, yep. After after days and days and days of telling you guys, make sure you get your turkey out. Make sure you get. Your, I was so busy making sure y'all got your turkey out, I forgot to get mine out. It's the way it works. <laughs> All right, we we got to talk. We we I, I've I put the story off for a while now, and it's time to get to the story. There's something happening in American politics and the media that you need to be very mindful of. And I actually want to talk to those of you who are on the left for just a moment and tell you how you are being manipulated. And it's often so easy to see people on the other side of the aisle being manipulated. You you, you very often aren't aware of how you yourself are being manipulated because very often it's an issue that is emotional and passionate and the manipulators come in and manipulate you to drive you towards their agenda. It happens on the right. It happens on the left. And right now the left is being manipulated in a concerted effort by members of the media and the democratic machine. It has everything to do with one issue. You've lost the United States Supreme Court. You lost. This goes back to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, where if you remember right, and it's a true story, I'm not your Google. You can Google it yourself, but it's true. In the Republican primary, Hillary Clinton's campaign spent money elevating Donald Trump. They were convinced that if Donald Trump were the Republican nominee, she would be a shoe in Surprise, Donald Trump won. While all of this was happening, there was a lady uh, you might have heard of. Her name was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg had been pressured heavily when Barack Obama was president to retire. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was in poor health. She had had repeated bouts of cancer and other issues. Her husband uh, was dying and then died. And they, they pressured her very hard to retire. And no, she wanted to retire with Hillary Clinton as president of the United States. So the first female president could replace this icon of the feminist movement. Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, had an ego. And the left fed her ego. Uh, the notorious RBG, they called her. Well, the notorious RBG got it in her head that she could outlive them all despite all of her health. And she didn't. Donald Trump became president, and the notorious RBG died. Donald Trump, in a single term, got to put three people on the United States Supreme Court and decisively shifted it right. Now, it had always been right-leaning, but Sandra Day O'Connor and then Anthony Kennedy, they were swingy votes on social issues in particular. Connor and Kennedy always leaned a little bit to the left. Uh, Kennedy had this very self-centered jurisprudence. It was what makes Anthony Kennedy happy and powerful. And if you could understand how Anthony Kennedy would be happy and powerful, you understood how he would rule on something. And typically, he was a Chamber of Commerce guy. He hated Obamacare. He was furious with John Roberts' decision to preserve Obamacare. John Roberts, of course, did all of his master manipulations in plotting because he really thought the Supreme Court needed to be pulled out of politics. And he did it, uh, the Obamacare decision, to pull the Supreme Court out of politics, which came across as cravenly political. These guys have ten ears when it comes to politics. But the Supreme Court decisively went to the right. You now have a 6-3 majority. And really, it depends on what day of the week it is, whether Mercury's in retrograde and how John Roberts feels about the title pools of Washington as to whether or not he sides with the Democrats or not. I actually give Roberts a hard time, but I I do understand his point of view. He's, He's an incrementalist. He doesn't believe in rushing things ahead. Uh, And in fact, uh, historically, when it comes to the preservation of the integrity of the court, maybe he was right. Maybe history will judge him that way. Because what's happened is with a 6-3 Supreme Court majority that leans right and the end of Roe v. Wade, the Democrats have resumed their high-tech lynching of Clarence Thomas. When Clarence Thomas was put on the Supreme Court, I remember it. I was a kid. I remember. So back in the day, you had cable, but you didn't have a lot of cable. And most people still watched ABC, CBS, NBC. Fox really wasn't that much of a thing in parts of the country. And it was wall-to-wall media coverage on TV of Clarence Thomas and Edel Hill, the allegations, Joe Biden, chairman of the Judiciary Committee. And Thomas was confirmed, barely confirmed, but he was confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. Thomas tells the story that he was actually sitting in the bathtub. Ginny, his wife, knocked on the door and told him. The Senate confirmed him, and he said, whoop-dee-doo, and slid under the water. The Democrats have always hated Clarence Thomas. Now, to understand the hate for Clarence Thomas, you need to understand a guy named Miguel Estrada. Miguel Estrada was a... Court of Appeals nominee for the D.C. Circuit for George Bush. This guy was clearly being fast-tracked as a Hispanic conservative to the Supreme Court. And Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois who is on the Judiciary Committee, very outspokenly and frankly said they could not allow Miguel Estrada to be appointed to the Court of Appeals because they could not allow George W. Bush to get the first Hispanic pick on the Supreme Court. They literally openly said that. It was an identity politics battle that Miguel Estrada, a noted, highly respected jurist, got caught in the middle of. The Democrats playing games with the racial composition of the Supreme Court for partisan political purposes. The Democrats have always treated the court as a political appendage. It's why, if you understand that, you understand why John Roberts sometimes votes the way he does. He's pro-life. He's a conservative. His wife led a pro-life group. But you understand his hesitancy sometimes when you understand that he's very mindful of how— uh, politicized the court can sometimes appear and how the left in particular has repeatedly politicized the court. It's something when Roberts worked in the uh, Reagan administration, and the I think the first Bush administration, Roberts at one point pinned something about how the Democrats uh, believe the Supreme Court in some way is an appendage of theirs, is, is a partisan tool. Well, they lost the partisan tool. So they've been manufacturing stories about Clarence Thomas ever since and Sam Alito. If you listen to the media now and you listen to the Senate Democrats now, Clarence Thomas is somehow doing something illegal, unethical, improper. He's got friends who have been generous with him. Who had no business before the court. That's key here. You need to understand they had no business before the court. They, now, the left has tried to manufacture it and claim, well, there was a business that he owned stock in. It was He had no say in the company, just he was an investor in the company. But it was his company because he was an investor. Therefore, there's conflict. People on the left have just embraced this idea that, oh, if, if if you've got a friend who's generous with you, as Clarence Thomas' friends have been, well, that means you're corrupted by them. It's not true. I'm very generous with my friends. Now, I'm not a billionaire, so I can't be as generous as Harlan Crowe can be to his friends, but I'm generous with my friends. I don't expect anything in return. They're just my friends. Take them to Las Vegas, among other things. But the left now says that that's, that's a conflict of interest. Now, there's no rule about that. What's so interesting here, though, is that the progressive members of the Supreme Court have done the same thing. You never heard the left get outraged about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and all the lavish trips that she got and didn't disclose, by the way. You never heard the left concerned about um, Stephen Breyer's ties to the Pritzker family, a very powerful, very wealthy Democratic family. You never heard concerns about that. You've never heard concerns about Elena Kagan or Sonia Sotomayor and what the left does for them. You're only exclusively hearing about it from the right. This is where this comes into the manipulation of progressives. You're being told that things that aren't conflicts of interest are, or that they have the appearance of being. Because you don't have a generous friend who's generous with you, you can be led to believe that that generosity is a sign of some sort of taint, of some sort of corruption, even though it's not. You're being manipulated. Because the left now, because they've lost the court and Roe v. Wade, must discredit the institution. There's no difference between what the left is doing to the Supreme Court now than what they do with the Senate every time Republicans get in charge of it. They say, oh, it's anti-democratic. It's unrepresentative. It's filled with these white Republicans who disproportionately represent the minority of the country. We should have nothing to do with it. If the left can't wield the power of the institution, they must discredit the institution because it's all about the power. That's what they're doing here. They've re-engaged the digital high-tech lynching of Clarence Thomas. Not because they think they can oust a man who has life tenure and there are not enough votes to impeach him, but because they think they can drum up enough opposition to the court so that Americans hear the decisions of the court the left doesn't like and decides that they are heretical decisions, they are discredited decisions, they are anathema against the will of the people. And what's actually happening, what the Supreme Court has been doing is releasing decision after decision after decision that aligns with the Constitution. There's something notable about the left's position on judicial orthodoxy and on uh, constitutional interpretation. What the left wishes you to do is rely on old masters in black robes to tell you what the law is. And what the constitutional jurisprudence of the right is, is that you, regular American citizen, should be able to read the Constitution for yourself and understand generally what it means and have the laws and jurisprudence of the country reflect in that basic understanding. Now, some friends of mine in the conservative legal movement aren't going to like this comparison, but I actually think it's apt. One of the, the Reformation criticisms of Martin Luther towards the Catholic Church at the time was that everything was done in Latin, and uh, all the Bibles were in Latin, and having English Bibles and Bibles in native tongues was not something regularly done and that the Bible should be accessible in native tongue. It's actually something in the counter-reformation of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church embraced that, you know what, we should be speaking in the language the people understand in the local community. What the conservative jurisprudence of the Supreme Court, overwhelmingly led by Catholics, by the way, has done is that we should, all of us, be able to read the Constitution and have a general understanding of it. And how it works, and the jurisprudence of the country should reflect that. And what the left wants is that we should have these these uh, authoritarian elite gods before us, the, this meritocracy bureaucracy, this uh, elite Plato sort of group there to tell us what the law means, and that we should not be able to understand it for ourselves. We should have to rely on this elite group of black-robed masters. Who we swear allegiance before and offer sacrifice to, and they tell us what the law is. The left wishes you to be disconnected from the law because if you are disconnected from the law, then suddenly you have to rely on them to tell you what the law is. And the right believes you should be able to read the law yourself and understand it without having to go to law school because a democracy, a republic of the people, for the people, by the people, depends on the people being able to access their charter documents and understand it. And because Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, Amy Coney Barrett, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and John Roberts have decided that you, the people of the United States, should be able to read the Constitution for yourself and divine its meaning without relying on black-robed masters of life tenure, well, that's bad. Because if you can understand the laws and the constitution of the country, the left can't exhort undue power on you. And so because they've lost that fight, they now choose to discredit the court they don't control and lie to you and conjure fictions and fears that don't exist while ignoring so that you aren't revealed the truth that they themselves have done the same thing. Because the truth doesn't matter, the narrative does. And they lose power when you can read the Constitution for yourself and understand it. And that's why Clarence Thomas is the bad guy, because he's made the Constitution directly understandable by you.
0: Wanna be on the show? Uh, I'd I love your show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Get the podcast, live stream, email, and social media links by texting ERIC to 33777 now. Hello,
1: America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Short segment. Be patient. I'll get to you. We might as well treat today as an open line Friday because I'm taking the next few days off to cook and then to rest. I got to smoke a ham. I got to smoke a turkey. I got to cook some other stuff. Got to make a gravy. Ah, the gravy recipe. You want the gravy recipe. Now, at some point, I'll be getting my Christmas decorations up. Target, you know, you would think after after the whole uh, Chuck friendly underwear and swim clothes for kids and stuff, they would have rethought this. But Target has now decided to hire a pride strategist. To add the alphabet gang to Christmas, they've got a gay Santa Claus now. That's right. Santa Claus is gay at Target now. He's holding a pride flag with a love is love t-shirt and hairy chest. I'm not making that up. If you follow me on Instagram, I got the picture. You got the, the gay Santa Claus. You've also got the transgender nutcracker, which in and of itself, it sounds like a joke, but it's not. You got the transgender nutcracker. I'd be a nut crusher. Um, I, I, I I don't under, I don't get it. I don't understand. But my gosh, uh, Target has just gone off the rails again uh, for Christmas. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Oh, my. I'm not making up either that America's prosperity is out there fighting for sanity in America. They're out there fighting for small government. They're out there fighting for free markets and free people. Americans for Prosperity wants you on their team. Here's what they're gonna do. If you go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today, they're going to teach you how to be an effective activist. They're gonna teach you how to go to your city council or your school board or your state legislature and make the case for school reform, for deregulation, for tax relief, for small businesses, for families, because they understand that a limited government is the best government for families. And school choice is the best thing for your child's mind. And they teach you how to advocate for those things highly effectively, and to be persuasive with your neighbors on these arguments. Go to AmericansForProsperity.org/eric today. AmericansForProsperity.org/eric. Sign up today with Americans for Prosperity, and they will teach you how to be a far more effective conservative activist in the fight for free markets, free people, and limited government.
0: got the courage to tell you the truth because the truth is what matters you're listening to the eric erickson show y'all hear this in the background
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so this is that what the noise was a possessed woman started screaming and climbing over seats on a Frontier Airlines flight, claiming she was kidnapped. After the situation calmed down, one woman got up and declared the woman was possessed and started singing gospel music. Stop blocking me. I've been effing kidnapped. The crazy woman was screaming as she hit a flight attendant. The flight was leaving Houston for Denver and had to divert to Dallas. One woman on the flight said it was diverted to get the crazy woman off, the gospel singer off, and a man with a white hat off. <laughs> clearly, clearly they thought they were on Spirit Airlines. <laughs> oh my gosh, insanity. Um, on on Frontier Airlines, someone was eating the edibles on the way to Denver, not from Denver. Gracious. Um Wow. All right, 877-973-7425 is the phone number. I want to give you some real talk. I've noticed this happening, uh, and, I, I, you know, it was funny. I noticed it happened online a couple of days ago, and now with the new president in Argentina, it's happening again, and, and the old stuff has come up there. Criticisms on the right of Georgia Milani or Maloney, uh, she's the Prime Minister of Italy. Giorgia Maloney is a uh, cultural, social, fiscal conservative. She's very much on the right. Uh, When she won, the media had this absolute meltdown that she was some sort of Vladimir Putin stooge uh, who was uh, bad and authoritarian and on and on and on and, and too socially conservative. It turns out uh, she doesn't like Vladimir Putin. She stood decisively with Ukraine, and she's been a stabilizing force within the uh, prime minister's office of Italy where she leads a multi-party coalition government. Not an easy thing to do. But conservatives in the United States who champion Maloney are disappointed in her that she hasn't done all the things that she said um, she would do. And now you've got, what is it, Miele in, in Argentina, the libertarian economist, who's never been in government before, who wants to move Argentina to the dollar. So, uh, the inflation is so bad in Argentina that, uh, it's, it's thousands of pesos are the equivalent of a dollar. It's, it's absurd. The stack of money you have to carry around with just to equal one American dollar. Uh, Inflation is really bad in Argentina. He wants to just convert the country to the dollar. It's worked in other South and Central American countries facing economic problems. It's worked very, very well. In fact, Panama has been on the dollar standard since 1904, and it has only ever seen the highest inflation. It's been 3% up until recently, and its inflation has run in tandem with American inflation. Ecuador rolled over to the American dollar and wiped out its inflation. Its inflation was like 200% and it's now down to 30%, which is still high, but not nearly as high as it had been and is still coming down. But there's this strain among people on the American right say, well, we got high hoped for him, but like Maloney he's gonna sell out and not do what he said. Do people understand how government works anymore? Like, let me take Georgia Maloney for a moment. I don't know her, I've never met her. I've been impressed with her. I've listened to her statements about family and conservative values and the like and and things she's done as a social conservative in Italy. But you do understand, right, that she runs a, she's the prime minister in a parliament. She's not a president. Italy has a president, a figurehead president. But for the prime minister to do anything big in Italy, it requires her to hold a multi-party coalition together where those multiple parties don't like each other. She can't snap her fingers and do the things she said she was going to do. She's got to get consensus internally and hold a majority of the majority to get that stuff done and then make sure the whole of the majority has her back if it gets challenged in parliament. She's not a dictator. Some of these people who are complaining are like, well, why isn't she a dictator? Because Italy's a parliamentary democracy. Not only is Italy a parliamentary democracy, it's an unstable parliamentary democracy that has massive turnover in the premiership because of all the parties rivaling each other in proportional representation in the Italian Parliament, uh, parties get votes based on the number of votes generated as a whole. It's, it's kind of a convoluted process, but it is to make sure that all parties get some say, some that every faction gets a little bit of say in Parliament, and it can become unwieldy. She can't just snap her finger and make things happen. And there is such a level of immaturity among some commenters in the United States on, why can't she just get stuff done? If anything, an American president wields more power than an Italian prime minister who must make sure at all times she has majority control. And now you've got Millet in Argentina. His party will not have a majority in the Argentine Congress. He didn't sweep their congressional elections. So he'll be a president with an Argentine legislative body opposed to much of what he wants to do. There's only so much the man can get done. People are very fickle. People are also stupid. People are very stupid. People want things, and they expect leaders to get them those things. And oftentimes, those leaders can't get the things done that the people want done because the leaders don't have the votes. You have to have the votes. Presidents of the United States who rule everything by executive order actually, well, see their executive orders undone by the next president. They don't get a whole lot of stuff done either. It's funny how that works. Funny how that works. You have to build coalitions to get things done. It's one of the the problems Republicans in this country are fighting right now is they want big things done, but they control barely by three or four votes a majority of one house of Congress and nothing else. They can't really get anything done. They can block stuff, but they can't get a lot of stuff done because to get things done, they got to have consensus with Democrats to get things done. And the Republican base will be alienated from a Republican majority that collaborates with Democrats to get things done because those things done will inevitably give the Democrats more than any of us want the Democrats to have because they'll have to have Democratic votes to get it through the Senate, ensure it gets through the House, and have a Democratic president sign it. It's the nature of politics. Elections have consequences. And people bellyaching about Maloney, well, she sold out. She sold out the people literally. First of all, you're an American. Who cares what you think about her to begin with? But your disappointment breeds and exposes a level of ignorance about how the system works. Some people just don't want to be happy. They want to feel betrayed, they want to be miserable because then you can't disappoint them. If you're always expecting to be disappointed, you are never disappointed in your disappointment. If you always wish to be miserable, you will always be miserable. It's but one of the these things is you know American on social media become experts overnight. The COVID experts suddenly became Italian election experts, became Israeli political experts, became war experts, became COVID experts, became Argentine election experts, become American political experts, become medical experts. They just the, the evolution of the American experts is just remarkable to me on social media. And all of these people who transitioned from expertise to expertise reveal their level of lack of sophistication and their herd mentality when they get outraged about an Italian prime minister who they can't vote for, know little about, and clearly have no idea how her system of government operates, where they're like, well, she promised to do all these conservative things and she's not doing them. Well, no, because a majority of the majority of the Italian parliament is against her. So you can't get it done. How... Do these things work? This is why we can't have nice things. People who are ignorant of the consequences of their votes and also ignorant of the way the systems and processes work. You got to understand the system to get things done. And by the way, this extends now to both sides because on the left and the right together, both sides get frustrated that their goals don't get done. I mean, there's deep frustration among Democrats that Joe Biden isn't the uh, the fundamental uh, transition president that he claimed to be, that he would not fundamentally transform America the same way Barack Obama did not fundamentally transform America. Well, you can't because there are elections and checks and balances and and judges who ideologically oppose you and stuff. It's not as easy as it looks. But people don't care. They want their itches scratched. And so when their itch doesn't get scratched... This person they don't know in a system they don't understand disappoints them because the outcomes they wanted that will never even benefit them, they don't get because who cares how the system works? We just want to be angry and bang away on a keyboard to complain about people we feel betrayed by who don't even know you and never betrayed you, and you're just a stupid person. Now, I will go to the phones. Donovan, you're going to be up first. Welcome to the show. How are you?
0: Yes, good afternoon. How are you doing today? Good. Good i enjoy listening to you keep on preaching the truth thank you but the reason i called is i listened to you last week and you had a topic about uh people that may be in bad shape and need some help and i was trying to figure out how i was on your website the other day and i didn't see anything on there how do i go about doing that
1: oh i'm so glad you said because you know that they actually they could they could actually use last minute donations um there is a website that was set up. Uh, it is called Eric, E-R-I-C-K, thanksgiving.com. No S, just ericthanksgiving.com. Uh, and if you go there, you can donate to Hungry for a Day. Uh, you could also go to hungryforaday.com and give there as well. That's the, the nonprofit working nationwide. Uh, for people listening who can text, if you text the word donate to 33777, I'll send you the link back. Um, so you have it. Um, and so what hungry for a day is doing is partnering around the country with other food banks, food pantries, soup kitchens to make sure that, uh, families get Thanksgiving meals. Um, they, let's see, I'm looking right now. Um, they're, they're working on 75,000 meals for families around the country right now. So anybody, who is able and willing to donate if you go to ericthanksgiving.com or you text donate to 33777, um, they're working. Uh, so there are 37 states, uh, food pantries, food banks, and soup kitchens, Donovan, and 37 states that are working with hungry for a day right now. I'm glad you asked about that. It gave me a good reminder to to do this. But uh, every dollar counts. $40 will feed a family of four of the turkey, the sides, and the dessert.
0: Okay, so just go to 33777?
1: Uh, so text the word donate. Use your texting message app. Text the word donate to 33777. Okay. Yep. Thank you so
0: very, very much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Text the word donate to 33777. So the phone number for the texting is 33777. And all the, all you do is text the word donate to that phone number 33777 you'll get a link back uh click that link and you can donate to hungry for a day uh so i'll tell you it's easier for me to tell you the states that that have don't have a partnership with them uh so mississippi kentucky west virginia vermont maine uh rhode island wisconsin oklahoma kansas south dakota wyoming nevada alaska and hawaii every other state um Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, Utah, Idaho, Montana, Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, the Carolinas, Virginia, up the eastern seaboard. They've all got partnerships with Hungry for a Day. So if you text the word DONATE to 33777, you'll get a link back. You click the link. Give as much as you can. $40 will feed a family of four. Uh, it will They'll provide a turkey or a ham, depending on geographic location. They'll provide the sides, mac and cheese, sweet potatoes. They'll provide the rolls. They'll provide the dessert. Uh, And in some cases, the local food banks are cooking all the food. And in some cases, they're providing everything for the families. It depends on circumstances and um, with the individual locations around the country. So text DONATE to 33777. Right now, I need to tell you about Swiss America. They're trying to teach you how to keep your hard-earned assets with all the bank failures out there and the economic turmoil we've got and uh, everything else happening in the economy right now. They've prepared a report for you to read called The Secret War on Cash, The All-Out Assault on Freedoms. They want to educate you on how to protect your hard-earned assets. You can read the report completely free, The Secret War on Cash. All you do is call or text my name, Eric Erickson to 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily, combination of the government and corporations working together. So read The War on Cash free. Just mention my name, Eric Erickson. You call or text 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K or 800-289-2646.
0: Message and data rates apply. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. The perfect blend of news, analysis, opinion, and cooking. Yeah, cooking. Join Eric's Army of Activists. Text ARMY to 33777 now.
1: This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan and the Frost Family. They're in Noonan, Georgia, where they help businesses around the country grow. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com. The Frost Family just wants you to know they're thankful. And they hope you are, too. And they wish you, from First Liberty Building and Loan, a happy Thanksgiving. Um, nice to nice to do business with good people who just want you to appreciate what we've got. Now uh, we must turn our attention to one of the greatest greatest stories of the news I think I've ever read. We oftentimes laugh about uh, the media's intersectional nonsense and how uh, headlines are always uh, massive fire sweeps through city, Um, women hardest hit, or uh, COVID strikes population, um, minorities hardest hit. Well, the, the BBC has topped everyone. This is a hold my beer moment from the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. This is an actual tweet and an actual news story. Black women most likely to die in medieval London plague. Y'all listen, I'm not laughing about black women dying in the plague. I'm laughing about the absurdity of the wokeness of the article. Black women of African descent were more likely to die of the medieval plague in London. Academics at the Museum of London have found the study is the first archaeological exploration showing how racism influenced a person's risk of death during the great pestilence or Great Mortality, or Great Plague, the research is based on, get this, only 145 individuals from three cemeteries in a plague that took the lives of 35,000 Londoners. It found there was significantly higher proportions of people of color and those of Black African descent in plague burials compared to non-plague burials. And this, they actually say this with a straight face. The research concluded that higher death rates among people of color and those of black African descent was a result of the devastating effects of pre-modern structural racism in the medieval world. You want to see some modern racism? Let me read the sentence again. Higher death rates among people of color and those of black African descent. So the racists at the BBC otherize black African descendants as something other than people of color and they do it repeatedly throughout this news story, the structural racism of the current BBC.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.